This is normally the time I tell you about our sponsor, but because I want to experiment with being otherwise ad-free, I have instead created a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. Check out the podcast's homepage at www.therobburgessshow.com. Check out my website at www.thisburgess.com. Welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 39th episode, our guest is Ash Burgess. You first heard Ash Burgess on episodes 16, 26, and 27 of the podcast. Ash Burgess has a dusty degree in religious studies and obsession with pineapples and an appetite for both high and low culture. She cuts her own hair, bakes her own sourdough bread, and spends most of her time at home with her young son. Sometimes she blogs at burgessbaby.blogspot.com. And now on to the show. Welcome to the uh, Rob Burgess Show once again, Ash Burgess. Hello, Rob Burgess. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we should probably just just come out with it right away. We uh, have some exciting news to share. Yes, and I'm so excited because it's one of those things where we've known about this for a while now and not been you know sharing it with a lot of people, and it's so nice to finally have people know about it because it's really one of the bright spots in our lives right now. Mm-hmm, definitely. We're having another child, so I'm excited about that. Yes, me too. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, to add to the apple munching one we have with us here right now. Um, so he's going to be a big brother, so that'll be yeah. exciting for him. Cool. But, yeah, um, and sometime in the end of May, so. Yeah. So only a few more months, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're almost, we're almost at the halfway point of the pregnancy. I mean, we have our, the kind of mid-pregnancy ultrasound coming up just in January here. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it seems like... It's really moving right along. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we uh, we chose to share that news with everyone uh, via pregnancy announcement video. Um, Which I'm really excited about. It's actually the first little video that I've made. I mean, I did I did mess around with um, some video stuff when I was a lot younger, but it's really the first video I've made in a very long time, and it's the first thing I've done with iMovie. I made the whole thing just on my phone. And it was really exciting as a learning experience for me to just to see how easy it is to kind of cut everything together and how fun it was to put together the video. Um, and I think it went over really well for the most part. We had a lot of a lot of our friends, especially, you know, saw it and were very excited right away. Mm-hmm. And I I patterned the video off of other pregnancy announcement videos that I've seen. So that's that's the kind of video I like to watch when I'm on YouTube. That's like the kind of thing that I am into. So I've seen a lot of pregnancy announcement videos. And of course I've watched some more, um, you know, getting ready to kind of get ideas for ours. So I did follow a pretty typical pattern for how you might do one of these videos. However, we did have some unique features that I've never seen before in a video. Not as far as how we, how we did it, but just 
the actual content like what we did, which I guess I should kind of describe a little more. It'll sure. be easier to, I know you said you'd put a link to the video I will. with this so people mm-hmm. can see this. Yeah. I know, I know for me, I'm such a visual person, someone describing what they did in a video, I'm going to be kind of like, well, that's nice. But, <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll attempt to describe it for you. Yeah. Um, we did a Christmas theme since we decided to do this just right now, you know, coming into the Christmas season. And that's something I'd always wanted to do is a Christmas um, pregnancy reveal because I always thought that would be super fun. And the thing that we did, which is pretty typical of a pregnancy reveal, is to have a group of items and each item kind of represents one member of the family and then one item represents the baby. And, for, for example, a common one that I've seen a lot of people do that's really cute is they'll have shoes. Like, they'll have a pair of the dad's shoes, a pair of the mom's shoes, and, you know, a pair of baby shoes. Mm-hmm. Or I've seen a really cute Halloween one before where people did pumpkins, and they had kind of a big pumpkin that I guess is the dad, and then, you know, maybe a slightly smaller pumpkin that's probably the mom, and then a tiny little pumpkin with, like, a pacifier, and, and that's the baby. And you can do this with, you know, other siblings, too. Just add in another pumpkin, add in another pair of shoes or whatever. But what we did was exactly patterned off of that, but something I'd never seen before, which was that we used candy canes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the candy canes thing was a really cool idea because we had two larger candy canes and then a smaller one and then the circular was there a name dinner mints you said well i discovered when shopping for the candy canes which we now have like a thousand yes yes they apparently (laughs) can't buy individual no no individual of these apparently they're called starlight mints the little round peppermint candies with the red kind of striping on the sides and at first when we kind of conceived of this idea my thought was just to whittle down one of the small candy canes, because we had a small candy cane to represent our son, you know, kind of toddler size. And I was thinking, you know, how are we going to kind of file down the smaller candy cane to make an even smaller candy cane? And then we had the idea to use one of those round starlight mints, which I think was a great idea. Because I, I especially like how it kind of looks, you know, it's not fully formed into the candy cane yet, kind of like how the baby mm-hmm. is not, you know, ready to come out and start, you know, being a person on the outside yet. Yeah, exactly. But it still has all the elements of the other ones. It's cool. Exactly. And so I thought that was that was a nice way to do it. And we had, a, we had some clips of that, and then we also did um, just a clip of kind of our Christmas tree, and we set it to some Christmassy music. And we also had, like, a little shot where we kind of scrolled up... Um, where we have our stockings hung, and I put our little early ultrasound photo kind of peeking out of one of the stockings. So I honestly, when we were putting the video together, was afraid I was being a little too heavy-handed. Because we wanted it to be, you know, and I'm saying video, but it's really, I did this mostly with still photographs. And just, so it's really kind of a photo montage set to music. And... You still had movement and panning and fades. You know, you still had some elements. Yes. It wasn't just like still photo, nothing happening. And then at the end of the video, we had, I showed kind of early on in the video, just the candy canes by themselves. And then we showed some other things. And then at the end of the video, I have kind of just a still of the candy canes and I have the words, you know, due in May, 2017 come up. So I thought that was, you know, pretty clear. And honestly, I was worried, like I said, that we'd been too heavy-handed with the video. Because I wanted people to be a little bit, you know, oh, you know, a surprise and delight. And 
I wasn't at all worried that people would be confused. And for the most part, they weren't. I mean, all of our friends seemed to catch on to it pretty quickly, like the people that saw it on Facebook and all. But, you know, we ran into a little bit of trouble with our parents, I guess. Well, before we go any further, do you want to talk about the deleted scene that we cut from okay. the final edition that we yes, thought was... Well, well, originally, I had also included a scene on the Christmas tree when, when I was kind of panning up the tree... I had put a pregnancy test, which, I mean, yes, it's kind of gross. I saved my used pregnancy test, but, you know, it's a historical item. Whatever. Um, I've I've seen people save, like, locks of hair from people that are long dead. So, I mean, that's... I mean, it's not that much weirder. I mean, I did, you know, my pee was on it at one point, which makes it kind of gross, but let's not think about that anymore. (laughs) But anyway, so I had put a positive pregnancy test, you know, among the ornaments on the tree. And that is actually a classic pregnancy announcement that I've seen where people will just post a still photo of Mm -hmm. the pregnancy test on the tree. So that's a pretty classic thing that we put in there. But we thought, that's like going too far. We've already have the family of candy canes, and we already have the ultrasound photos sticking out of the stocking, you know, we were like, you know, we don't need to do too much. Mm-hmm. So we actually cut that scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that scene would have made a difference and maybe it wouldn't have. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like I said, most people caught on to it right away, but some of the key people that we were kind of most announcing to first, because what we did is we... Um, we sent the picture as a, we sent the video as a message to our parents and siblings' families before we posted on Facebook. Because we wanted to tell them first before we just told everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them had trouble, I guess, understanding well, what was happening. I or? think, I think the first problem was, we sent this as a text message to their phones. Yes. So, when, but you made this on a phone, so but I kind of thought this, that was going to be. On a phone. And I looked at it on your phone, and it didn't yes. look and all of our, indecipherable to me. But and all of our parents have smartphones. Yes, like this is. I mean, yeah, nobody I had like a flip too. phone, and they were like, <laughs> no. I mean, I think I know a couple of them have iPhones, yeah. and I think you know, I think one of them maybe has a BlackBerry. Maybe mm-hmm. one, of, maybe there's a couple Droids in there. But these are these are not like phones with tiny screens. These are phones that are made for viewing media. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think that your brother had any trouble. I don't know. He, he seemed aware. Of, he seemed you know. Yeah, his his, his response wife. his response indicated that he yeah. was you know had received the good news. Yes. Um. And you know, I don't think you know any of my siblings that were able to look at it on their phones. I don't think had too much trouble. But um, yeah, with, with our parents, a lot of them just I think were confused. Like they just kind of saw it and maybe thought, "Oh, why did Robin Ash weirdly send us this strange tiny Christmas video?" Yeah. Um. <laughs> I really think that might have been their like these did their thoughts on on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's see. My my biological father and his wife um, they called us and they were 
Like, they had figured out what the video was, but, sorry, there's a lot of humming in the background here. It's, I have I have a friend that's helping me talk. It's okay. He's, he's a regular on the podcast. We've, <laughs> we've all come to know and love his, his, uh, his voice in the background. He's enjoying a really delicious apple right now, and, and I think he enjoys being on the podcast. Yes, he always likes being on the podcast. But anyway, they had seen the video, and I guess it took them a little bit, but then they figured it out. They said... They didn't know what was going on, and I guess they weren't familiar with what an ultrasound photo looks like, so they were like, what is that weird thing up by the stockings? Because I guess they just thought it was some kind of like a virtual Christmas card that we'd sent them or something, and then they didn't really know what the thing by the stockings was, because I guess... I guess I'm so used to seeing ultrasound photos because we're of that age where so well, many of our friends are, yeah. you know, posting their photos on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I'm in a mom's group, and people post their photos there, so to me, it's just, I look at it, even without being able to see all the details, I could just look at it and be like, oh, that's an ultrasound photo, but to them, it's just kind of like, what is that strange black and white glossy thing? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I feel like I didn't used to be able to decipher or make heads or tails of those Literally, even you but. know, I, but now that now that I've like seen, seen him with him, and of course this next one, and like you said, we have other people that we know that have ultrasound photos being taken. I feel like I am getting better at picking out the different. So I kind of know what I'm looking for now, and I know what they look like. Oh, you know, so. oh, for sure. But I mean, even beyond that, I just mean even if you don't have time to like pick out the details in the photo, you would just see the basic layout of the photo with the black and white and kind of the way it's laid out. And yeah. You know, it's an ultrasound photo, even if you're not able to pick up on any of the details. Like the Doppler. Uh, yeah, like you kind of know what that looks like. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, I, I kind of expected people to, I guess, also know what that looks like, and I underestimated that. I guess for most of our parents, they, you know, when they were having their kids, I don't think ultrasounds were even a common thing. I don't think my mom mm-hmm. had any ultrasounds when she was pregnant, like with me or my um, brother. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe my brother. I'm, I think it was right. I think we we're right on the line of when that kind of got popular. Because I remember, for example, like somebody had them in my family. My friend Lauren, who's my age, has two, um, she has twin siblings that are a couple years younger than her. Mm-hmm. And I remember her mom telling us that they didn't know that she was having twins for a really long time. And then she insisted that they do an ultrasound because she was like, something is going on here because like her stomach was huge and she was like, this isn't what it was like when I was pregnant the first time. There's something weird. She thought maybe there, her baby was like giant or deformed or something. So she kind of had to push for the ultrasound because it was, I guess a, a newer, unusual technology that they didn't just do automatically. It was only when they were really checking for like something, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas now they just sort of routinely, I think, do an ultrasound early on, and then at least one more kind of towards the middle for most mm-hmm. people. If you're doing kind of a, you know, routine kind of doctor situation, you know, yeah, in the US. definitely. But still, I mean, so I guess I could understand that for some of the grandparents who don't have as many grandchildren, but I mean, some of them do have multiple other grandchildren, so it's not like they haven't seen an ultrasound photo before. But anyway, I guess it was hard for them to see on the tiny screens of their phones, because I mean, my stepdad told me that he couldn't figure out what was happening in the video when he watched it on his iPhone, and Mm -hmm. then he went on to Facebook later... And then on Facebook, I guess, you know, then he was able to see the full-size YouTube video 
and then he, you know, knew then and was excited. Yeah. But it, I guess, I guess because it took people longer to kind of figure out the video, we had less of the sort of impact we were expecting. You know, you kind of expect you roll out a video like this, people watch it, and right away they're like, you know, surprised and excited and delighted. And, you know, instead, I think people were kind of puzzled and it took them a while. And then later they were kind of like, oh, you it's know. It's kind of like a slow realization more than a just impactful yeah. thing. Yeah. But also the title of the video is, what, Christmas Announcement? Yes, which I thought was pretty clear. But I didn't want to say Christmas Pregnancy Announcement because I did want people to learn the news while watching the video, not before watching the video, because then why even watch the video? Mm-hmm. At the same time, I thought that that was a pretty big clue, because I'm having a hard time thinking what else we would make a video about that we would want to announce on Christmas. I mean, you probably wouldn't make a video to be like, we're moving away, or something. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think of, like, I guess maybe if we bought a house, that could be, you know, if we bought a house secretly, somehow without mentioning it to any of our families, and then had moved into the house, and we're now like, here's a video reveal of us in our new house, I guess that would be maybe yeah. a Christmas announcement, but I guess if we were converting to some oh, sort of a new, you know, oh. different face, but, but it would have to be one that recognizes Christmas, right? But I maybe mean, we'd be like, we're celebrating oh. Christmas even harder than ever this year. Or this is our last Christmas goodbye. <laughs> yeah, either way, either way. <laughs> We worship Larry now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <coughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I think you're right. It was, I was kind of surprised how subtle other people thought apparently it was, or apparently the, the message was not conveyed as as uh, clearly as, as maybe we thought it would be. At one point, when, we, when I was making the video, I remember we kind of talked about whether or not we should put in more titles, because the only, the only text that I had in the video was right at the very end when I said, due in May 2017. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe things would have been more clear if we had included that shot with the pregnancy test, and then also if we'd had more text. Like, I could have labeled each candy cane, you know, like, Rob, Ash, Harper, Baby. <laughs> you know, I, that might have helped. But then again, the, the labels would have been so small for someone viewing it on a phone that I don't know that they would have been able to pick up on that. You said you wanted to talk about kind of pregnancy announcements in general. Yeah, well, I mean, you said, you know, since we were on the topic, yeah. it would be a good... So, like, what are the, like, elements that you think make a good pregnancy announcement video? <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't quite gotten that academic about it, but... Or, or I, guess, I guess, like, what's something, like, what's a, what's a danger sign, I guess, maybe? A danger sign. Um, I think, well, I do think, and this is something I ran into when I was making ours, I think it's... You want to make sure that you kind of ride the line between you're communicating an event in your life that's very serious and very meaningful to you. Like, uh-huh. to, like to you, the pregnant couple or the pregnant person, you know, if you're doing this on your own, a pregnancy is probably one of the biggest things that's happening in your life at the time and maybe ever. And depending on your backstory... It could be something that you, you know, it could be something that you've been surprised by and it's, you know, shaking your world or it could be something that you've prayed and hoped and worked really hard for for years. It could be something that you feared might never happen for you. So to you, the people making the announcement, it's such a big deal 
And you want to, in the announcement, you want the tone of the announcement to communicate how excited you are about it. But at the same time, you don't want to be too heavy-handed. Um, because it's like, as much as you are that excited about it and your friends and family are going to be excited for you, you can kind of tip over the edge and be too excited. And not too, not, I don't know, I don't think you can really be too excited about a pregnancy. I think that you can... <laughs> I think that the tone of the video can be too intense. And, okay, an example that I would give of this is that we set our video to music. And we used, like, some Christmas music. And I watched a few other videos that were set to Christmas music. And there was another video that I had seen that did a Christmas pregnancy reveal. And this was a couple who had been through, I think it was like 10 years of IVF or something, and they chronicled in their video, like they, you know, showed the woman is getting the IVF injections, they filmed at the doctor's office when they're, you know, you know every step of the way. And, and I think these are people who've been making videos for a while, so I think if you've been following these people, or if you're the people's friends and family, they've been very open about their journey, you know that right. they've been through a lot. And they've got a lot of B-roll saved up just from recording yeah, yeah. anyway. So, so these people had the very long video, including including several failed IVF attempts and them getting the bad news and, like, crying together. And, you know, of course, the video culminates in them, you know, finally having, you know, their successful pregnancy. Um, and they set their video to that Mariah Carey, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You, which... I think matched the tone of their video, uh-huh. but was like very. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I like cried a little bit when I watched their video because I mean it was very emotional. And like by the time you get to the end of the video, you're like really you know in it with them. But still, it was like that's like a little that well, we weren't quite trying to be that intense. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we didn't want to be too lighthearted about it in the sense that. I don't really like, like, jokey, hokey type announcements usually. There's, there may be some exceptions to that, but I also have seen some Christmas announcements that I thought just, they were jokey in a way that is just maybe not my taste. Um, Do you want to make a YouTube playlist of shame? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to call any specific people out on this one. Because, I mean, like I said, like that video I was just talking about with the... Um, the too too intense. Uh-huh. Like I said, I was very moved by their video, and I think for them it was the right move because they were so what's open right, about wh- showing their journey. Yes, and it just for us, it wouldn't have been yeah. the right move for us to maybe make a video that was quite that intense, or it wasn't what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But there are certain videos, or maybe not so much videos as like photo announcements that I've seen that I wasn't as into. Like, here's a Christmas idea that. I thought was just really awful, honestly. And I'm sorry to anyone who's done this, because, I mean, like I said, this is really a taste issue, and some people might think this is delightful. But there are some announcements that people do where you take your ultrasound photo and you Photoshop it, so there's, like, a small Santa hat, like, on the baby's head. (laughs) And then you have a caption that says something like, Santa's not the only one coming to town this Christmas or something like that. And... That, to me, is not the tone that I want to convey. Like, it's jokey, and it's... Yeah. I just think, well, honestly, any time you start photoshopping your ultrasound photo to me, you're you're going into dangerous territory. You should probably just stop. Um, I also don't like ones that 
And like, and then again, this is like I said before. I should probably just stop prefacing this because uh, let me just say a blanket preface that when I'm talking about things that I don't like in this arena, it's really just my taste. But I really don't like um, kind of jokey in like a sexual involving Santa sort of way. But you don't like sexual involving Santa, like well, just as a rule, I mean, like like outside I, I mean, outside of outside of what we're talking about with pregnancy announcement videos. That you have kind of a blanket no sexy Santa. Yes, I agree rule. with I agree with Dan Savage on this one. Like you, you know, yeah. you don't need to bring Santa keep, into keep the bedroom. Like, no, um, but there are ones where it's like the couple is sitting on Santa's lap and they're laughing and they're like we've been naughty and that's okay. But it's just it's like to me it kind of icks me out because it's like you're bringing Santa into the bedroom in a way that's like not really like. Something I want to think about. Um, no, but some people apparently don't have a problem with mixing those those two. You that's know, true. I mean, if you look at you know lingerie type of stores around this time or Victoria's Secret or any place like that, there are plenty of kind of sexy Santa outfits available. I mean, for women, I think there's you know red with like fur trim type of situations and little hats. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people are fine with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's, you know, men that there's kind of that ho 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 sort of <laughs> sexy <laughs> Santa guy thing that some people get into. Too. <laughs> but no, it's, it's not my thing. Um, I've seen some ones with the elf on the shelf where the elf is kind of holding the picture, like he he he, you know. Well, let's let's talk about elf on the shelf more generally, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is maybe a good par- point to kind of depart into our talk of general Christmas things. Yeah. Um, I have, well, my feelings about Elf on the Shelf are, before I really go into my feelings about Elf on the Shelf, I want to say that my feelings about Elf on the Shelf are similar to how I feel about when people get their baby girl's ears pierced. Hmm. What I mean by that is that, to me, I think that it's sick and wrong and I would never do it, but... I'm a little bit jealous of people that do it because I think it's fun. I think it's really cute. And I'm not going to, like, not be friends with someone or think that they're a terrible person because they're doing it. So it's like, before I start talking about how sick and wrong I think it is, I just I don't want people to think I'm judging them because my feelings that this is sick and wrong, really it's more of a personal feeling about what I want for our family. And it's not something I'm trying to, like, put on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, there's plenty of people that I know and respect that are doing the Elf on the Shelf and having a good time with it. And I'm even excited to see, like, when people post on Facebook, I love seeing what people have done. Like, my brother's family is doing Elf on the Shelf, and I'm always asking him what their Elf has been up to. Just because, since it's not something that I'm ever going to let myself do, I'm kind of living vicariously through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but my personal feelings are that it's really, really bad. And that people, you know, that I will never be doing it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and I just to, think it's a bad, like, thing to, like, set up in your child's mind that they're always being surveilled and that they should feel intruded upon. And they're, you know, basically like Big Brother's watching and, you know, get get used to being, you know, under the watchful eye at all times. You know, that I mean, I guess that's a larger, like, Santa theme. It's a larger so, Santa theme, but that's also, I mean, really. But I never liked that one anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we're not, and we can talk more about this when we're done mm-hmm. talking about the Elf on the Shelf, but we're not really doing Santa either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for related reasons. 
I don't like the idea that you try to control your child's behavior by telling them that their behavior is being surveilled and if they're naughty or, you know, they're not going to get their presents. If they're nice, they're, you know, going to get more presents or whatever. Because my feeling is that I want our child and, you know, our children going into the future to think that we're giving them these presents because we love them and want them to be happy and want to do this for them. And that's how I hope that they'll approach gift giving as well. I don't, I don't want them to, when they are at the point of being able to give gifts to people, I don't want them to gift people as a reward for good behavior. I want them to gift people things because they love those people. They want to give them a present. I think that's, I guess I'm saying I think that the motivation for gift giving should be, should come from the giver, not, you know, as some sort of a string to like reward or manipulate the receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So that's, and, and just you know, the surveillance aspect in general, I'm the kind of person that wants as little surveillance, you know, of myself and my family as possible. And I feel like, you could say, oh, the elf on the shelf is all in good fun, but I do think it's kind of preparing you for the idea that you're being, you know, surveilled by someone and that you're being judged and well, that that's okay. you're programming your child to think that this is something that's normal. Yes, and I don't think that that's okay or normal. Like, if my son goes into a situation where, you know, he finds out that he's going to be surveilled constantly, I want him to be worried and watchful and cautious and to really, you know, keep his eyes open and think about, you know, what's happening. Yeah, and it's like the argument, oh, if you don't have anything to hide, you shouldn't worry. Well, it's like, all right, can I have your email address and your password? Then can I hit send on your draft folder and your email? Can I, you know, can I go watch you while you pee? You know, like, you know, you don't really, you're not doing anything wrong, so can I watch? It's like, you know, everyone needs privacy. Everyone needs a space for themselves. And I think it's a bad, you know, system to set up in someone's mind to think that they don't need that or that it shouldn't be valued or whatever. Exactly. And I mean, I think it kind of goes to my general feelings about government controlling people's lives in the sense that my general thought is that people should have, I mean, obviously I'm sure, you know, if we really plumbed my views on everything, we'd come up with some exceptions. But in general, I think people should be allowed to make decisions for themselves, even sometimes if that means that they're making the wrong decision. Right. Or a decision that I would think is wrong or wouldn't choose for them or whatever. I think people, because I'm not everyone and everyone has a different set of, you know, things that they bring to their decision making. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, the idea of this control and surveillance, it's a very concerning topic to me. And I think starting it early isn't isn't helping anyone. Right, exactly. Also, I mean, the elf on the shelf wouldn't really work for us because like I kind of touched on a minute ago. We are not raising our children to believe in Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> how uh, you want to talk about how you were raised with with I guess without Santa? <laughs> I mean. I would, okay, I would say I was raised without Santa, but not not in a way where I was deprived of Santa. We were always free to enjoy Santa as a fictional character, just like you'd enjoy any other fictional character that you, you know, learn about as a child. Like, you know that unicorns are not real. 
as a child, but you can still have like a unicorn lunchbox and play about unicorns if you want to. Yeah, and but there's not an entire holiday dedicated to unicorns and like unicorn carols and like unicorn no. showing up at the mall that you take your picture with. No, so. that that is very true, and that that is like you know a valid distinction. But I guess what I'm trying to get out is that it's not that we were raised without Santa in that we like abhorred Santa and like like we had a Christmas ornament that had Santa's face on it and. My mom had this great collection of stories. It was Christmas from around the world, and each story is a story about, you know, a different child celebrating Christmas in their country, and it would include kind of their Santa legends, and we enjoyed those things. We would sing Christmas carols, including ones that were about Santa, you know, on Christmas Eve. So it's not like we were without Santa in the sense that he wasn't allowed to be a part of our life or that we thought he was evil or something. Like, I'm not one of those people that thinks that Santa secretly just Satan in disguise or something, which I know that that yeah, you is... you change a few letters, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I know that there are people that feel that way, but I'm saying it's not that we were, like, saying Santa as, like, a fun mythical character can't be a part of our lives. It's just... Mm-hmm. My parents were always clear with us about the fact that he was a pretend character and that we could enjoy playing about him, but we knew that he wasn't really coming to our house to deliver the presents. Mm-hmm. We knew that the presents came from our parents. Right. Um, and I don't think that I lost anything with that. I know that for some people it's a big deal because they're, they're thinking, you know, you miss out on the magic of Christmas, but I think in a way that the magic kind of lasted longer for me in the sense that I never had to have that heartbreak of realizing that Santa wasn't real and then Christmas just doesn't feel the same anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I will say, you know, children kind of believe what they want to. So despite the fact that I knew Santa wasn't real, I still had this small feeling of excitement where I would kind of hope, you know, that maybe I would see him or something, you know, if we snuck down at the right time on Christmas. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Oh, definitely. I knew it was pretend, but I still had, like, a little bit of that fantasy. Sure. But I just didn't have to ever have this crushing time when it's like, not only is that fantasy over, but also my parents have been lying to me. And that's, I think a really big part of why I'm also not wanting to do Santa is that I want my son and, you know, any other children we have, I guess I should start saying my children since there's now more of them. Multiples. Yes. I want them to know that if I tell them that something's real, it's because it is real or at least that I truly believe it's real. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to ever say, you lied to me. Just, you know, whether just for fun or, you know, it's, I know that it's supposed to be just like you're lying, but you're just creating this wonderful magical universe. But to me, it just feels like you're kind of sporting with your child's feelings too. Cause you're, you're weaving this kind of web of lies and you're going to elaborate extents to keep this fantasy going for them. Yeah. And one day they're going to find out that you just kind of did this mm-hmm. and maybe they'll eventually appreciate the work that you put into it. Because, I mean, I do appreciate people that go to great extents to make Santa seem real for their kids. I do appreciate that they're putting this work in to make their child's experience more special. But at the same time, you're lying to your kid, and I don't want to lie to my kids. Well, you want them to think that when you tell them things that you're telling them the the real deal and not some fantasy world. Because it's like, you know, I grew up... And it's also uh, another layer of it if you grow up in a house with religion, too, because... If you grow up with Santa and religion, as soon as you find out the jig is up on Santa, 
It's like, what else have they been lying to me about? And if these fantastical things you've been telling me about, you know, Santa, I almost said Satan, but um, Santa aren't real. Like, like what are the chances that these other things that you're telling me that seem fantastical aren't real too? So it's like, do you really want to call everything that you tell your child into question just for the simple fact that for this time you want them to experience the magic of Christmas? Because to me, it's yeah. like, if you realize you were lied to later, it kind of takes away from, you know, retroactively takes away from any fun that you want. It's like, well, it's like, yeah, I had good time during this, but it was all based on a lie. You oh, know, yeah, so it's, think, you know, what, what is that worth in the end? You know, so. I definitely think that that's, there's something to that. Cause I mean, I definitely think there are things that my parents told me were real having to do with beliefs that they held with spiritual mm-hmm. beliefs. And those things stuck with me more, I think, because I never had that feeling. Like, even if I've questioned some of my parents' beliefs at different times, I always felt like whatever they were telling me was because they truly believed it at the Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and I, I think that's, that's, that's valuable, I think. And, and my, there was kind of a funny story that my parents would always tell us when we were little about why they didn't want to do Santa having to do with um, my dad. Um, he, I guess, when he was little, my grandma asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he very excitedly said, I want to be one of Santa's elves. And I guess my grandma was just heartbroken because she felt like she needed to tell him that, you know, that wasn't a dream that he was going to be able to achieve. I also like that he, like, went for the elves, not, like, you know, like, like the, the kind of the, the, the worker bee version of, of the story. Yeah, it's like, why, why would he want to be the enslaved uh, magic mythical creature rather than the head honcho? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny, though. I almost think that made it more disturbing for my grandma, probably. Because, I mean, if you're just kind of like, I want to be Santa, it's just kind of like, oh, well, you'll get over this. But I feel like want to be wanting Santa. to be one of the elves is such a very specific and unattainable goal that it's like, we really need to, like, tell you that this is not. Yeah, know. exactly. Really not happening. Yeah. Precisely. Of course, I for years as a child wanted to grow up to be a knight, which was also not a very attainable career path. Yeah, but a knight at least is like you know a respected member of that sure. fantasy society. Yeah, we're of, living you know. in modern times that makes it a little <laughs> more difficult. But, it's true. You know. It's true. We don't ride horses in many places as we should, possibly. But um, <coughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, it's you know it's hard though with 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 our son because he seems dead set on wanting to believe in Santa and having it. You you say I'm influencing him unduly, but he's the one that came to us and was like, <laughs> Santa, bring presents and stuff. No, it's just that he's seen a few, you know, we've let him watch some Christmas, you know, there's some Christmas episodes of Thomas the Tank and, mm-hmm. you know, Curious George and things like that. And he's gotten so excited about them. And I love how excited he is. I love his enthusiasm. But he's really into the idea of Santa. Like, he talks about Santa every day. Mm-hmm. And he's very sure that Santa is going to bring some little blue presents for all of his toy trains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all his, his toys are getting toys. And he's so generous. I love what a generous spirit he has. Every time I've asked him what he wants for Christmas... He just says that he wants little blue presents for his trains. Uh huh. Well, that's that's good. He appreciates that. and and people. He says yeah and yeah. He's mentioned Grammy. Grammy gets a little. He's blue mentioned and Aunt Uncle and Uncle Noah and just Anthony a few other people, and yes, yeah. they all get they all get little blue presents. Yeah, which we definitely you know we've bought some blue wrapping paper, so I'm hoping we can you know, make make some of his dreams come true. Yeah, exactly. But 
No, it's it's funny because he kind of, through osmosis almost, I feel like, kind of picked it up in the air. Like, this is kind of what's happening. And But this is similar to how he sort of picked up on Halloween. Like, right before Halloween, mm-hmm. he got so excited. And, I mean, I'm, I love Halloween, of course, so it's not that surprising he was that excited. But I was a little bit surprised with the intensity and how much he seemed to know about what would be happening. Mm-hmm. Like, he had his little orange, you know, trick-or-treating pumpkin and he kept picking that up and like dancing around the house and singing candy oh candy you know right in the days <laughs> leading up to halloween and that was so funny cuz i mean we don't even let him he's probably had three pieces of candy in his whole life mm-hmm. and he hadn't been trick or treating really before and so it was just the intensity and the excitement i do think it's just in the air oh yeah absolutely one well, then there's the with christmas there's the songs and, you know, like you said, there's there's different episodes of different shows. And, you know, we, we do go places and we've seen, like, Christmas lights. And, you know, we've, we've been to a mall or two where there was a Santa around. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he just he just knows. But, but yeah, no, back to, like, you know, what we grew up with. You know, my, my parents will, will always say that they never lied to me about it. They'll just, they, you know, every time I ask them, they would say, well, what do you think? Which... Yeah, they didn't maybe necessarily say this is real. This is the this is the stuff. We definitely left things out for Santa. We definitely visited a few mall Santas where there was uh, Santas that came around. So I don't I don't know that you can necessarily say that it was all just oh you know uh, how did you get this crazy idea that there was somebody named Santa? It's like, now now when it comes to leaving things out for Santa, yeah, that's always something that I was a little bit jealous of the kids that believed in Santa because I always thought the idea of leaving out the plate of cookies and the carrot for the reindeer sounded so appealing. But that I was have pretty a plan- fun. Yeah, but I have a plan to incorporate this into our traditions. I figured that. Our kids can leave out some cookies and some drinks for you and me, because I mean they they're gonna know that we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna be up, you know, on Christmas Eve, you know, assembling the presents and getting all that stuff together. Um, so so kind of like a little pre thank you gift. <laughs> I always feel like though this is gonna be a case where we're like, oh, now we know we're leaving these out for mommy and daddy, and 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 Harper's just gonna be like, oh, Santa's gonna get these things. I but guess. if he wants, if he wants to pretend or imagine that you know, or have the fantasy that Santa's yeah. the one eating them, I, that's okay. I'm not gonna the like. Reindeer. I'm not like trying to crush that. You know yeah. what I mean? I just like as long as I am always open with him about the fact that. It's really mom and dad. If he chooses to believe something else for a while, that's okay. I have a feeling he's going to somehow be like, and you lied to me or something like that. But that's why I think we have to keep, you know, occasionally reminding him that it's us. Yeah. You know, just so that he doesn't forget. So I think he would like to forget that it's us. Yeah, he would love to forget that it's us. But yeah, I think I like the idea of him leaving this stuff out for us. I was thinking, you know, like a nice glass of wine or something Mm -hmm. for me. But of course now I'm pregnant. So, you know, maybe like a glass of hot tea or something. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I thought that would be kind of a nice... No, that was always fun. But yeah, we uh, had a controversy in uh, Mall of America recently uh, that I I thought was an interesting kind of microcosm for... Oh, yes, having to do with Santa, of course. Having to do with Santa. Uh, So they they have, I guess, at the Mall of America, they have two Santas that you can see. There's a kind of, like, catch-all, like, just show up on the day of, get in line, try to see what you can do. And then there's like a special appointment only Santa, which I'm guessing from the story I read is kind of the higher end Santa. So you I think you like, probably get a little more time with Santa. You probably have a scheduled time when you can go instead yeah. of having to stand in line for like two hours. Yeah. Which I mean, anyone who has young children knows that 
standing in line with your young children mm-hmm. is like one of the nightmare scenarios that you yeah, try to avoid, you know, yeah, so it's, exactly. it's definitely, you definitely want to get the appointment. With oh, the, yeah. If you can possibly help it for sure. But, um, yeah. So anyway, like for four days, there was a, uh, black Santa at the appointment only one named Santa Larry. Um, and apparently he was not, it wasn't just that he was like, a uh, black Santa that they like, got black guy that they like slapped in a Santa suit. Like he apparently is a professional Santa. He, uh, you know, I saw a picture of him. He looked really, looked he really looked very good. jolly. He, he looked could, very jolly, looked very Christmassy and very friendly. Like the kind of Santa that I yeah. think a child would really gravitate towards. He didn't look and like also, a BS Santa at all. So. I mean, and I guess they had done like an international search. This is this is like a big deal. Like this is, I think, one of the primary. Premier locations for a Santa at Christmas, so I think they've done America, a they've done like yeah. a national search to find mm-hmm. a really good looking Santa. So this wasn't just some random guy. Yeah, you know, this is like a really high quality, <laughs> experienced Santa, and they and they did pick him specifically mm-hmm. because they wanted you know a Santa that could appeal to children of you know different colors, mm-hmm. and so this was you know part of the reason they went for him, but. People were upset, and let, let's go back a little bit and talk about this whole issue with people being upset about Santa mm-hmm. being the wrong color or whatever was, I think, greatly highlighted in one of my favorite Christmas um, stories, which is the David Sedaris Holidays on Ice collection, when he talks about when he worked as an elf at Santa Land and mm-hmm. how people would always be like, we want a traditional Santa, mm-hmm. you know. We all know, you know what that means, yeah. Yeah, we don't want a chocolate Santa, you know. So, yeah, there's this has been an issue for a long time that mm-hmm. people have been aware of. But, yeah, it's a recent controversy because people were very upset about this. People are talking about wanting to boycott the Mall of America for doing this. Uh, they had to shut the comments off on the uh, local paper's news story about this. Um, yeah, people are upset. But, I mean, apparently the people who actually went were thrilled. They like, he was booked up all through the four days. People were, were super yeah, these are just excited. Not even, the, not even the people that were going to Santa. No, just no, angry no, side no. people that were just enraged by the concept that somewhere that out there, could be a child is somewhere. visiting a Santa that is not Caucasian. Yeah. And I think this is just ridiculous. And it just, it just really highlights how tragically racist <laughs> so many people in our country mm-hmm. are. But I, I even think it goes beyond that, I think, because I can understand from a certain standpoint, I think some of the people that want a white Santa probably aren't thinking of themselves as being racist. They're probably thinking that, you know, if their child sees a Santa that doesn't look like the Santa that they're, they've grown to expect, then maybe their child will wonder, is this the real Santa? And then their belief in Santa will be shaken. Never mind and, the fact that there's two Santas at the yes. same mall. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, like... I think, I, I do think some of the people are probably coming at it from that angle and not maybe just a purely racist edge. But ultimately, I think that's ridiculous because, like you said, I mean, there are Santas everywhere. There's people in Santa suits on street corners. Mm-hmm. So, if it's really a problem for you that mm-hmm. your child might visit a Santa of a different color than what they were expecting, then you could probably find a white Santa somewhere else. It's not like you're not going to be able to. But also, it's not like you're going to be able to shield your child's eyes from seeing Santas of different colors, you know, in different places. I mean, it's like there was something that I think George Takei said, you know, when this was happening. He was like, well, in my internment camp, Santa was always Asian. And it's like, yeah, Santa's just going to be some guy in a suit wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And... 
I guess this story kind of struck a special note with me because my mom always had, you know, the story that she would tell us one of her fond Christmas memories was of her father and how he had his own Santa suit that he owned. And he would put the Santa suit on every year, and he would visit all the homes of, you know, their relatives. And I guess the relatives would maybe, I guess, you know, get together beforehand and give him all the gifts. So he would show up on Christmas Eve at every family's house and deliver the presents, like, while the children watched, you know, excitedly. Mm -hmm. And I think, of course, they probably knew, you know, it was, like, uncle or, you know, whoever. He was their, you know, cousin, whoever. But, like, but still... And I should add into the story that, you know, my mom's family are, you know, a brown family. And so for them to have, you know, this Santa that looked like them that was coming to their house was very special. It'd probably be weirder for them if a white Santa showed up, right? You know, I mean, it might be. It might be, but I, and I, but I also think that... <laughs> Well, first, when I first heard the story, my thought was, you know, it's great for children to, children of different colors to see a, <clears throat> someone also of another color in a role that they look up to as someone who's like a respected elder. Like, it's great if you're a brown child to see, you know, a brown Santa and think, here's, you know, a respected, beloved character, and they look like me. And then I also thought, you know, it's not even just good for a child who can identify with the Santa. It's probably just as good for a child who doesn't identify with that Santa. It's great for a white child to see a brown Santa and be like, there's a brown guy who is this wonderful, magical character that we, you know, look up to and respect and see as this really, you know, friendly, benevolent person. So I think it's not just good for the minority children to see this Santa. I think it's really good for all children to be able to see, you know, and respect people of different colors in different, you know, beloved roles. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Not to, you know, do a sidetrack or whatever, but they, they, you know, when Barack Obama was first elected, you know, they, they did, I did see a series of articles that were like, these are the people that kind of paved the way for us thinking that this could be okay. Like, you know, this was Bill Cosby pre, you know, the, pre, whatever, you know, pre, 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 pre we learned about that. You know? But, you know, begin in the eighties, you know, the hustles. Yeah, there was a time and, when, you know, just, I think that it's important to acknowledge that there's a lot of really terrible people throughout history that have done good things for us. Mm-hmm. And Bill Cosby is one of those people. Like, yeah. He's a really bad guy. I mean, I think at this point it's just pretty much acknowledged. Know. You know. <laughs> yeah. But what he contributed to the American perspective mm-hmm. was very important. I well, mean, yeah. I know for my mom, he was a very powerful role just to see him. And I think that... It's not just that he had a popular TV show and he was, you know, this African-American family. They were a middle-class African-American family. They had a nice house. They wore nice clothes. They spoke very eloquently. He was a doctor, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, this and this was the kind of family that it's not uncommon for families like that to exist in, you know communities of you know that aren't white there are lots of black families that are like this but you don't often get to see them on tv and there are families that would like this for their children you know Mm -hmm. maybe you're maybe a lower class person but that doesn't mean that you don't want your child to see something and think i could be a doctor i could own a nice house i could have a nice car i could have you know a collection of 50 cosby sweaters you know that's what i want Mm -hmm. so that's that's like a really powerful thing that you know bill cosby did and 
and like you said, many other people that kind of paved the way for Will Smith is another one that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, Will Smith is an interesting case because his character, like if we're talking about his TV show, Mm -hmm. he was always kind of the guy from, you know, the kind of stereotypical inner city neighborhood. West Philadelphia, born and raised. On the playground is where he spent most of his days. Yeah. You know, chilling out back and relaxing <laughs> on cool, shooting some people outside of the school. You know, yeah. it's, it's, mm-hmm. he was kind of that stereotypical, you know, kid from the, you know, bad inner city neighborhood. But when he gets lifted out of that, he doesn't get lifted out of that because he goes to live with some white family. Mm-hmm. He just goes to live with his relatives who are also an African-American family, but who have, you know... They've gone to law school. The uncle's become a judge now. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, living a pretty lavish lifestyle. And so, yeah, he definitely paved the way because it's like, you know, he kind of showed, you know, a transition of, you know, you're in one lifestyle, but you can achieve more things, and that's really what you're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, back, you know, back to the larger point of, you know, this is... This shouldn't shouldn't be so revolutionary to see a brown person in a role of respectability or revered, uh, you know, figure. But it just goes to show how you know racist our society is. Otherwise, that that just just you know black and brown people doing normal things is so revolutionary. Still, to some people. Yeah, but, I mean, this is why there are people trying to create those all white communities. Yeah. When you don't have any danger of like accidentally seeing. A minority person acting like a normal human being going about yeah. their day when you're just out and about, I guess. But I mean, that's yeah. kind of a side tangent. But we should, you know, get get back to get back to Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with your all white universe at this point. But um. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I. I think that these people are just being totally ridiculous and. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, that we haven't even talked about yet is back when I, you know, was a kid and, and you know, whatever degree I was believing in Santa Claus, you know, the, the story goes as, as it was told to me and I think has been, uh, you know, approved by other, you know, people's accounts, you know, through movies and television, just talking to people that the, <clears throat> the mall Santa is not the real Santa. Even when, even at the height of my believing in Santa to whatever degree that was, I never thought that the mall Santa was the Santa that was going to be coming to my house and delivering presents and giving the carrots and, you know, all that. No, so no, I mean, it's... He was just, as, as I was, as I understood it, he was a farm, sort of a farm system, and you're, you give the message to the mall Santa, the mall Santa sends the message up the ladder, you know what I mean, like, uh, to the actual Santa, yes, yes, that's exactly. how the message I mean, is received, not that this guy... Pretty, I think that's a pretty typical view that people kind of, that's kind of the typical line. Because, like, if you look at, like, the movie Home Alone, yeah. when, you know, Kevin McAllister goes to visit Santa and asks for his family back, he's like, I know you're not the real guy, but you work for him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and that was a definitely the way I was, you know, I was told that, that the system works. So, in that case, it's like, alright, so let's assume that you're not telling your kids this is the actual Santa, I hope, because as we've talked about, there's multiple Santas everywhere, there's bell ringers dressed as well, Santa, what are you going to tell them? Let me just also pause to say, like, isn't it kind of racist to say that all white people look the same? I mean, even if you <laughs> only even if you only visit white Santas yeah. with your child, mm-hmm. there's going to be some variation between those Santas. I mean, maybe it's not as immediately obvious as, you know, the Santa having a different color skin, but it's still, like, a different guy. Sure, he could have, you know, the beard and the mustache and everything that obscures some of the face, but there is still... There are still facial features that are going to be evident 
that are like your kid is hopefully intelligent enough to like see that Santa's face doesn't look quite the same from one Santa to the next, even if he's like of the same coloration. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew that, like, different white Santas were different from each other before. Like, I, I didn't even see any black or brown Santas growing up, but I still knew that the white Santas I saw were not the same Santas right. from like, each you other. Know, like, you they were tell, different you know, Santas. Some fa- Santas are a little fatter. Yeah. Some Santas have, like, a better quality Santa suit. Some mm-hmm. Santa suits, you know, look a little moth-eaten. Some are, like, pretty plush, you know. Some Santas, you know, they're, you know, things about the nose and the eyes that can look different from person to person. Some seem to like children, some don't, you know. Some are, like, more jolly. Others, you know, seem a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of cues that hopefully your child can pick up on that are like, you know, these are these are different people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. But anyway, you, you talked about, is there anything else you wanted to say about Santa? Um, I mean, there's so much to say about Santa, but I do have other things I want to talk about. But I guess I would just, you know, end this with talk of Santa with saying that, um, one concern I do have is that as much as I want our kids to know, you know, the truth that, you know, it's Santa's pretend, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody else that anyone's trying to do. And I don't think that my, you know, siblings or I ever told any of our friends, you know, the truth about Santa. I think we were good like that, you know, because our parents always told us, you know, that it would be really, you know, unkind and kind of against the spirit of Christmas to, you know, tell someone who believes in Santa, oh, it's just all made up or whatever. And so I'm hoping that, you know, our kids will do as well with that as well. Because as much as I think it's the right choice for us to be open about this, I'm not trying to crush any other family's traditions here. Yeah. You know. you're, you're not an anti-Santa. <laughs> no, ex- exactly. But yeah, no, I agree with that. No, I mean, after I, like, told my parents I knew, they were like, don't tell your brother. It's like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure he'll figure <laughs> it out in time. Although there was a, <laughs> maybe we can save this for our Easter episode, but my my brother did tell my parents that he actually saw the Easter bunny, like, in our house once, and they, like, were, like, kind of <laughs> a little bit concerned about what, what I, I don't remember exactly how old he was, but it was, like, I, maybe it was three. I don't remember exactly, but they were, like, you know, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, like it was, like, so, it was so real. To him. That, that relates back to what I was saying, though, about how even if you know maybe that something's not true, as a child, you know, it's kind of like how as a child you have toys and you know that they're just toys. You know that they're not really alive. But to you, they're so alive and they have emotions, you know, like your stuffed animals and your, you know, different toys. It's like, that's like with our son. He has his toy trains and they're ve- they they are very... You know, they definitely are people or, you know, trains or whatever. They're definitely entities to him. But at the same time, he knows that they're toys. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same way with kids. I think when you have something that you just are so excited about, it can become almost a delusion in your mind. But not in a way where I think it's, like, unhealthy. Mm -hmm. That's normal, you know, just flights of fancy of childhood. Yeah, definitely. But uh, what else did you want to talk about relating to Christmas? Uh, I mean, there's so many, generally. so many Christmassy topics. Where, where do you want to? I don't dive know. In? I almost think we're setting ourselves up for a part two here. I don't even know if we can get all this in one episode. I know we, we, I know. we can try. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, you mentioned Home Alone, so we I could did. talk about uh, Christmas movies. 
Yes. Which I need to dig out of the closet today. But yeah, I really, I really want those movies. Yeah. Um, Christmas movies. I mean, who doesn't love a good Christmas movie? I mm-hmm. think that the Christmas movie that has, like, I think probably the biggest place in my heart, and this is, I think, a pretty typical people love this movie, is um, A Christmas Story, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, that's a movie that we always grew up watching. I, I can never remember, the, I can't remember the first time I saw that movie. I think we were just always watching it, you know, from the time I was a little kid onwards. Oh, me too, yeah. Um, it bears the distinction of being the only movie that my Uncle Bill likes. <laughs> which is I, I always thought was interesting. Like, my uncle Bill, like this is this is like a man who doesn't have a TV and just generally is not into you know mm-hmm. movies or anything like that. But he does like that movie. Like that's the one movie that you know. Because sometimes he would come over on Christmas and he, that funny. was the one movie. Like normally, like if he's the kind of guy if he would show up to your house and you're like have the TV on, he'd be like, oh, the TV, you know. But for for a Christmas story, he would make an exception. Yeah. It was funny when I uh, when I told you who the guy was because the guy that both narrates and the the story is based off of his book uh, Gene Shepard, mm-hmm. uh, who's from Indiana, and the town in the Christmas story is is Holman, but it's supposed to be Hammond in real life because that's you know he's from Northern Indiana or whatever. So, um, but I remember. <laughs> Because he's the guy in the movie that says to Ra- Ralphie, uh, the line end, like, well, the line ends here. You have to go back. Like, that's Gene yeah. Shepard. Nice. But, like, <laughs> I remember when I showed you his picture, you were kind of warped. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that there's a lot of people where, you know, if you have a character in your mind and then you see the real person, it can be jarring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like when you read a book. And then you get to the back flap and you see the author photo. Sometimes mm-hmm. you feel like surprised and a little stunned. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's kind of funny because he, I guess when he was coming up, he was a radio guy. So I guess like mo- it was mostly just him narrating stuff. And, and this is kind of just an extension of that. So I guess most people didn't even know what he looked like. But it is kind of, yeah, right. It's kind of, I don't know who I pictured saying those words. I guess but... I pictured just the adult version of the yeah. that plays Ralphie in the Exactly. Movie. Of course, didn't uh, didn't the guy that played Flick star in a porn later? Or something? I don't know. That's so unfortunate. I just I really don't want to know. I'd rather just not. I'd rather just imagine those people just exist inside the movie. Yeah, I double dog. Um, there's just there's so much good about this that movie. Oh yeah, you know, it's oh, just, great. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny as a young child, I didn't realize that that was a period piece. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just kind of like, thought it was just happening, you know, in current times. And of course, yeah, later I was World like, World War Two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but as a kid, I didn't even realize that. It just seemed so perfectly current to me. Because everything that he deals with could be happening at any time. It's a timeless story, for sure. Um, I mean, I wanted a BB gun when I was a kid for Christmas. I remember my mom had the same concerns. <laughs> and, of course, at, at, when you're a kid the and you father watch always that, wants to, like, put oh, it in, yeah, the, yeah. in his hand, even if maybe it's like, dangerous or whatever. And when you're a kid and you watch that, you identify so much with Ralphie. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants things, and his mom's like, oh, no, you can't have it. And now, of course, as an adult, I, you know, I kind of see where the mom was coming from more. Oh. I'm like, you know, because I don't mm-hmm. want my kid to have dangerous things either. You know, I hesitate on that note. And mm-hmm. I always enjoyed it from the perspective of the sibling relationship in that movie. Um, and I think you and I probably identify with different <laughs> things here because I was, I was the younger sibling for a long time right. in my family. And I always identified with, you know, when they're getting the younger sibling dressed for, 
you know, to go out in the snow and the mom bundles him up so much he can't put his arms down. Because I feel like there were some times when my mom, you know, really bundled me up like that. like And, and just that, that sort of moment in the movie where Randy's running after Ralphie and he's going like, wait for me, wait for me. I feel like as a younger sibling, that's such a typical thing that happens to you. Like, your legs are not as long and you're like just trying to like catch up and like this kind of mean older sibling is just going a little too fast. Yeah. As much as that kid is so whiny, I feel like as the younger sibling, you really identify with that. You know. But you, as the older sibling, I think you kind of have said that you were identified with Ralphie. Well, I mean, the story's told from this perspective of the older sibling, so... Of course, and I'm not even saying I didn't identify with Ralphie (laughs) at all, just I'm saying in that sibling dynamic, I see where the younger sibling's coming from. But I always thought of it as this is the way that the story's being told by the older sibling, so of course the younger sibling's always kind of, like, falling down behind him, and he's like, oh, jeez, and, like, refusing, or, of course, being a picky eater and refusing to eat the food unless it's like a game and it's like so it's you know it's definitely a stereotypical although rings very true version of uh, the younger sibling you know stereotypes (laughs) so but I think one of the things that makes this such a great Christmas movie is that I feel like somehow that movie just really captures the magical feeling like that feeling when you're a kid and you come out on Christmas morning, and the presents are there under the tree. And the snow like, is falling. And... Yeah, like, there's the feeling that that movie captures, it just absolutely captures the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's still my favorite part of Christmas. I mean, especially now that we have, you know, somebody that we can do that for. But as a kid, especially that, just that, you know, because even though we weren't doing Santa, we still had that because my parents would wait until after we'd gone to bed to mm-hmm. fill the stockings and put out the gifts. So there's that moment when you come out on Christmas morning and the house is still dark because, of course, we got up super early with our, you know, Christmas excitement. And the tree is all lit up and beautiful and twinkling and the presents are there and the stockings are filled and it just feels so magical and exciting and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that movie captures that almost like probably no other movie I've ever seen. I yeah. think that's what maybe really makes it such a, you know, enduring Christmas classic. Oh, Zeppelin, that's mine! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great, great movie. There, of course, there was a sequel uh, with uh, Charles Grodin as the dad that wasn't quite as good. And that's just, it's one of those things you kind of wish you could just like Eternal Sunshine oh. as well as mine. That, so Isn't there like a sequel too? Like a Christmas I mean, Story 2 didn't come out I'm just, I'm horrified. I don't know. It's just, I just don't want to know. Oh, yeah. There are some things that I think you should just, when something is so good, mm-hmm. you can't ever recapture the magic and you just shouldn't try. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely, yeah, it makes me want to watch that movie again. But I know. I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited to watch that soon. Yeah. But um, what other Christmas movies come well, to mind? Of course, there's you know Home Alone, which we already mentioned. Which I mean, that's more of a new classic. I think people of kind of our generation and you know later, not mm-hmm. really so much people before us. Mm-hmm. Of course, we were exactly the right age for that movie. Cause, I oh, mean, I think perfect. I might have been almost exactly the age of Macaulay Culkin when that came out. Yes, and I got to see that movie in the theater. And, oh my gosh, so exciting. Such a good time. And now, of course, I mean, it's a little bit alarming, the the level of, you know, fantasy violence in that film is a little <laughs> jarring. Yeah, you won't even let me watch Batman TV well, show with, well, I, with Captain. I just point. think, like, I 
think that for a child to appreciate something like that, they need yeah. to be old enough to understand the difference between like comic fantasy violence mm-hmm. and like something that can or should actually happen in real life. Yeah. I think when I saw that movie, I mean, I was old enough to understand that the cartoony style and know that this is not really, you know, something you should do. Yeah, like if you've seen Bugs Bunny and, you know, that kind of thing, you'll you'll exactly. get you'll get the cartooniness of it, you know. So um, as we as we were talking about the other day, I do have some questions about what exactly the dad in that movie did to afford that giant brick house in the Let's Chicago suburb. And, and of course we have we have a small small visitor who Wants to take our recording equipment <laughs> for his own purposes. So yes. Something to do with the cat in the hat. Yes. You know, but but I think that he should play with his toys. What toys would you like to play with? I don't know. Watch Cat in the Hat. I know, but you, you've watched so much. Cat in the Hat, and I think that there's some other fun things you could do. Do you want to bring the little people out here and you could play with them in the living room? What if yes. bring the train? Yeah, bring the train out and go get the train. What if me and Daddy help you build a little track for the trains? Of course, the sequels of Home Alone were not quite as as good as the. I know a lot of people like the second one where he's in New York, but I didn't like it. There was a whole weird thing with like the homeless person. And... But they were trying to recreate the the guy with the shovel, and you know what yeah. I mean. Like they tried but... to like make the old person touching story. Lost yeah. my family. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, once you again. don't really need to recreate that. And I even have some questions about that. Cause, I mean, of course, in that movie, the whole guy with the shovel works out because you know he's just the kindly neighbor or whatever. But in reality. Like, it's kind of a weird situation in that, mm-hmm. first of all, shouldn't that, that guy have been more concerned when he realized this kid was on his own? Like, so, like shouldn't he have been more concerned sooner? I would think so. I like, mean, and maybe, it's... I don't know, called someone? Yeah. Or something? I don't know. It's, you know, there, there's some questions. Yeah. Yeah. But still, still the Home, Home Alone, a great movie. Now, here's one that I think less people either like or probably are aware of that's become one of our classics for the holidays. Mm-hmm. I just, and this is a this is a bad movie, but I just love it. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know what, I, what I'm about to bring up. It's uh, Jingle All the Way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that movie, I mean, it just celebrates everything that's terrible. You know, consumerism. It's all about the guy trying to get the present for his kid. And- but, it's, but it's only like he needs to get... He only needs to get the toy because he is such a enormous failure as a father otherwise. So it's like, this is the thing that's going to allow him to make up for the fact that he, like, is a neglectful, like, parent, like, the rest of the year. And it's, it's, like, a, it's the typical 90s dad who's, like, working hard so his family can live in the little McMansion, but mm-hmm. he's never there for the kids. And, like, his family's, like, on the line of, like, his wife's about to, like, have an affair or divorce him or something. Mm-hmm. The kid, like, is like, I don't know you. And, but he's like, I will save the day by getting the Christmas present. Yeah. Such a bad, just overall message, so terrible. And I, I don't really care for Arnold Schwarzenegger usually either. Yeah, exactly. But it's, like, also the fact that there's the big, you know, there, there's always, like, the big performance that the dad's missing that he promised that he would show up for, and it's, like, he doesn't show up for it, and the kid keeps, like, looking at the, like, entrance, like, because it's, like, oh, he could screech course. in at the end, and then, of course, he tries to make up for it later at home, and it's just not the same, and it's, like, Phil Hartman is, like, the, the creepy, you know, neighbor that, like, oh, filmed it. Oh, makes that oh, whole movie. Yeah, he's he's great. 
I uh, I think Sinbad is hilarious, though. I always thought yeah. Sinbad was funny, and I even saw an interview with him recently. He's still funny, but um, but yeah, he's hilarious in that as the rival parent who's a little less well to do than Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's trying to like make it happen. I also like the fact that there's the uh, side character that's available. What is the name? Of um, the booster, booster. Like the, like, so of the main Turbo Man, or, yeah, Turbo with, Man's not available, but Booster, the goofy sidekick, is always available. I, and that's so typical of real life, though, because I feel yeah. like there's always a side <laughs> character of like the main toy that mm-hmm. people don't want as much, and it's always like there's tons of these left in the stores. And because I mean, I even experienced that just my own shopping, and just you always see that. Yeah, um, clearly. Which I mean, this is probably a good time to. I mean, I would just say if you like. Kind of bad movies that are entertaining in just a really sick way. Yes, definitely watch Jingle All the Way. But I think this is a good time to spin off into talking about popular holiday toys. Okay. Because this year, of course, big popular toy is the Hatchimal. Mm-hmm. But to kind of give some give some um, background on what I'm talking about, I'm sure people remember, of course, when we were kids, there was the Cabbage Patch craze. Yes. And then when we were a little older, I think this was more kind of around my little sister's time, there was Tickle Me Elmo. Yes. So, like, it's the one toy that people just, for whatever reason, I think last year there was this game called Pie Face that was very popular. Oh, I've seen um, that available now this there, year. There are many copies available this year. Of course, that's always the way it goes, you know what I mean? It's like the one year, it's like the thing to have, and then... And Next year, next it's year, like, who cares? I can't. We can't give this away. Yeah, like, this is now on sale for like seven dollars. Exactly. Use it as a doorstop to hold the door open to the other Last present. Last year, you paid three hundred dollars, so your children wouldn't be disappointed on yeah. Christmas. But and that's the thing, though, that it always ends up in a situation where there's not enough of the item that people want, and then people that have bought the item are reselling it at incredible amounts. Like the Hatchimals, I haven't checked on them recently, but I know like a week or two ago they were going for hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. and in case anyone doesn't know what a Hatchimal is, I haven't seen one in real life, obviously, because I'm not spending hundreds of dollars on it, especially since it sounds terrible. But it's basically very similar to, well, another toy that was very popular back in the day, the Furby. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of a kind of a stuffed animal, but with kind of, you know, a robotics inside of it. So it's like soft on the outside, but it has, you know, it moves, it's, you know... And also, it's similar to kind of a Gigapet or a Tamagotchi, which I actually believe that Hatchimals are made by the same company that made the Tamagotchis. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so it's basically like a small kind of stuffed animal. And the big thing that it does is that when you get it, it comes inside an egg. Mm-hmm. And then you have to do things to make the egg side to hatch. I think you just like stroke it and like turn it in different directions or something. And then it pecks its way out. Mm. And once it pecks its way out... It kind of sounds like it doesn't do that much. I think, you know, maybe there's a few little mini games it can do. You can kind of pet it. I, I don't know. If, I assume you have to feed it and that kind of stuff, kind of mm-hmm. similar to, like, a Gigapet. Yeah. Um, the reviews that I've read of people that actually have them kind of say that they're not amazing. Like, to me, it looks like the kind of toy that you get super, super excited about mm-hmm. if you're a kid. Like, don't get me wrong, if I was a little kid, I would want one. I was going to say, you're talking all the smack about it, and then you told me if you were a little kid, you would have wanted one. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I have the perspective, as an adult, Mm -hmm. my perspective is, it looks like the kind of thing that 
would be super exciting yeah. for like a couple days mm-hmm. and it would definitely bring you a lot of joy to receive it, Yeah, but it's not going to have a lot of long-term play value, which is mm-hmm. more what we tend to look for when we're buying yeah. you know, things for our child. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm kind of glad that he's just slightly below the age mm-hmm. where he like has known that the Hatchimals are a thing and wants one. Well, and also it's like, uh, kind of reminds me of those like, uh, sponges that you buy in pill form and you put them in the bathtub and they like explode out into like dinosaurs and it's like, yay. But the most exciting part is the moment when they like spring forward and like hatch out of their like shell. And then, uh, you know, then it's kind of like a really flimsy sponge that kind of looks like a dinosaur, maybe that not super fun after that. But the moment that it like springs out of its like casing, it's like, Oh, you know, oh, that's yeah. the most exciting part. And you have that fantasy. I, at least I always did with those sponges. Mm-hmm. I always had the fantasy that, you know, once they had sprung out, I was going to like play with them. Like mm-hmm. toy. Yeah. And then they're just always, you're right. They're flimsy and they just, they don't really go with your other stuff. And it just, it doesn't really happen that way, but there's definitely like, when it's happening, you're like, oh, yeah, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I did actually have, um, I didn't have a Tamagotchi, but I had the kind of American ripoff version. I had uh, two different Gigapets, mm. actually. I had the dog and I had the koala. And I had a lot of fun with those for a short term with both of those. I mean, I had enough fun with the dog that I then went out and used my own allowance money to like purchase the koala. So, but that was the kind of thing where you couldn't like look away for more than like half an hour, right? Or it would just die, right? I mean, yes, it was actually very stressful. Sounds like um, <laughs> well, I just remember people I went to school with were like freaking out because they're like, "I left it in my locker; it's gonna die." <laughs> it's like, well, it was actually it was really uh, actually terrible <laughs> because okay, like I I had the dog one first, and the dog would, would whimper in this like sad. You know, it sounded like when a dog is really sad, and actually the koala cried in a way that was like even worse but anyway um <laughs> when it needed something and it would need to be fed i think every 15 minutes or something but even if you just fed it every 15 minutes that wasn't enough because you had to like exercise it and play with it otherwise it would become lonely and sick and then it would just like eventually die either it would starve to death or it would get too lonely and it could die of a broken heart mm-hmm. but anyway when i had the dog at one point i was really sick and I was, you know, you, you know, when you're just feeling terrible and you think, you know, maybe just taking a bath will make me feel better. So I was super sick. I took a bath. I obviously didn't take the Giga Pet dog into the bath with me. And I wasn't even in there that long. But of course, by the time that I got out, you know, the dog had died and I was like, really sad. And it's like, I'm already sick. And now my Giga Pet dog has died. So that was like a huge bummer. But I was still, you know, like I said, I still was excited enough about it. Even after that, I, you know, went out and got the koala. Mm-hmm. Um, the person I was super jealous of, though, was my friend who had the special edition Sabrina the Teenage Witch one that was like Sabrina's pet cat. Mm. I wanted that one so bad because I mean, I was super into Sabrina, and yeah, I thought that was like super special. But anyway, um, <laughs> going back to the hot holiday toys, yeah, I I read a really funny thing about the Hatchimals recently. Mm-hmm. Um, this, apparently, the author who wrote that Water for Elephants, which I'm sure you're aware of, there was a movie. I don't think you watched. I think I watched it with your mom. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. She she was one of the people that did that National Novel Writing Month, and that was how she wrote it. Okay, but I mean, she did that did really well. Yes. I mean, it was a bestseller, mm-hmm. and she, you know, I got a movie out of it oh, and everything. Oh yeah, no, I'm aware. Who was in the movie? Um, the Robert Pattinson, the guy from mm-hmm. um, yep. Twilight, and I think it was Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this was a big movie, and yeah. people loved that. People movie. love it, it was like a yeah. Big thing. 
But it's one of those cases where the more you know about an author, kind of the less you like them, and the more they seem super weird. So apparently, um, she's now trying to work on a documentary that's, I think, supposed to be kind of in the style of making a murderer. Mm. I'm not sure exactly, you know, who the subject is. But anyway, in an attempt to fund this documentary or increase her funding or something, she invested a large amount of her money. I think it was, I think it was like $23,000 or something. Mm. But she bought a bunch of Hatchimals. Mm-hmm. And then her plan was to resell the Hatchimals. She bought them all at, you know, the market, not the market price, but the actual, you know, what is it? The manufacturer's price, the store price. Suggested or retail. Or yes, whatever. the suggested retail. That's, that's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. So there are, I think they go for $50 each. And then she's trying to resell them for $200 each, which is, I think, around what they're going for now. Mm-hmm. The plan being that, you know, reselling them all at that rate, you know, she would make enough money to pay for this documentary or at least, you know, get her a lot further with it. But I guess that she kind of didn't realize that. I guess on eBay, there's a limit to how many of the Hatchimals you can sell every day. Mm. Like you you can only sell three a day or something like that. And then on Amazon, there's a limit to the quantity of an item you can sell without having some kind of permission from the manufacturer. Mm. So anyway, I guess that I guess she's not moving the Hatchimals as fast as she thought she would be able to. And so now she's I, appealing to her fans. I'm not sure what the medium she used. I don't know if she just like tweeted out this appeal or if it was on her website or mm. what. But I guess she's now begging her fans to buy the Hatchimals from her at her, you know, $200 Hatchimal price. And it just, it seems just really like an unflattering move. It's like, I could even understand if she was just like, okay, I lost money on these Hatchimals and now I just need to resell them. And she could sell them for 50 bucks a piece and, Mm -hmm. you know. At least not She could make her money back. She doesn't have to lose money here, but it's like... She's trying to turn a profit. She's trying to turn a profit, and, like, her greed is stopping her from even just breaking even at this point. Yeah. It's just ick. I don't know. Just, well, and she's got to flip these before Christmas. And that's I mean, the thing. These are not going to be worth anything no. soon. because even soon. Even possibly before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, even maybe by People Christmas. People want it on Eve. Christmas, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like last year, we did just sort of incidentally get one of the hot toys from last year. It was this... Beatbo robot for Harper. I didn't realize that was the... It wasn't, like, as hot as the Hatchimal, but Mm -hmm. it was pretty hot in that it... We bought it, you know, a little bit in advance of Christmas, just at the normal price. And then people, you know, I guess it sold out and people were really excited about it. And I know people were looking for it and it was selling on Amazon for, like, a hundred bucks and, you know... But even by Christmas, I think stores had received more shipments and it was back to the regular price. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know with these hot toys if even by Christmas it might already be mm-hmm. too late. Let alone, you know, after Christmas. Because most of these toys, you could just order them from, you know, Target or Amazon or whatever, and it's like a back-ordered item, but you'll get your thing in January. Mm-hmm. Which, that reminds me of what I've seen. is I have seen circulating on Facebook, there's like a sad letter that you can print out to give your child on Christmas morning. Oh my God. <laughs> and it, it's a letter from Santa oh, that says, no. like, your Hatchimal is still being laid by the Hatchimal dragons or whatever at the workshop, and <laughs> it will probably be ready in February. And it's like, you know, because if your kid wants the Hatchimal and you didn't get it, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, you don't want them to be, this is supposed to soften the disappointment. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but now, what's the race of the Santa that sends this letter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course there are different Hatchimals. I think there's a penguin and a dragon, mm-hmm. and it seems to me that the dragon is more popular than the penguin. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely have seen a few things where someone has a penguin, but they're looking to trade for a dragon. Interesting. So yeah, if there's a Game of Thrones influence there or something. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I love penguins, but. I think dragons have a certain edge. My impression, too, is that people more want the dragon for boys mm. and the penguin for girls or something. Mm. Gender. Although, to me, it seems like a boy or a girl could equally enjoy a dragon or a penguin, but I mean, what do I know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting this year because it seems like there's an adult version of that because now, you know, I th- I'm sure building off the backs of... Building off the backs of... Uh, Pokemon go you know how that kind of stirred up the nostalgia in a lot of people uh there's now a self-contained super nintendo or just regular nintendo uh you know version that has like i don't remember how many games preloaded on it um but apparently from what i've heard they planned to have this be a shortage you know they didn't they planned on purpose for there not to be as many as people would want uh, so now there's kind of an adult version of a toy that was popular when you were a kid that now that you, you know, are an adult, you know what I mean? So there's like, there's a kid version of this that with the Hatchimals, but I also feel like there's an adult version now. And I think that's going to kind of be the way it is going forward. Cause it's like, you can pretty much do this with any nostalgia piece of equipment. Yeah. Just make a shortage. Make a, yeah. With, like make us, they'll probably have a Sega Genesis version next year and it'll be, you know, all the Sonic games will be loaded on it and people will be freaking out like they are this year. And, and I'm not going to lie. I want one. I yeah, want, I an, want an original I, Nintendo thing with the games preloaded on it. So I can totally like, see how this would be a thing. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, even though I would probably not ask for something like that just because I mean, when would I have the time to use it? But I yeah, still, right. I still totally get the appeal like if one of those was at our house i would definitely be excited to like mm-hmm. you know take a look at it and no i think especially i think it's i've seen how popular it is just from like in the mom's group i'm in like a lot of the you know the husbands are wanting those for christmas oh sure a lot of the moms are not gonna be able to deliver though because it's one of those things like like we said yeah definitely was there anything else you wanted to say about uh christmas uh hot items this year um hot items i don't know i mean i I think we've covered the hot items pretty well i definitely uh, on a different topic wanted to talk about christmas trees a little bit okay what do you want to say about christmas trees Um, well as you are aware but your viewers may not you always were into the you know the fake tree and then i've converted you to the live tree camp and i think you're very happy to be here (laughs) well it wasn't so much that i was into it it was more that like my family just never got well, we had, like, this one, like, tree we used, like, for, like, most of my childhood. Like, so much so that, like, the fake tree, like, you know, of course, the the limbs, the branches that you get to put on are color-coded to the part of the tree you're supposed to put it on. And by the time that we were done with this tree, you couldn't even, like, read the colors that they were supposed to match up with. And it was, like, it was anybody's guess where they, like, fit. You kind of had to, like, almost put it together a little bit and then... Yeah kind of see if it looked kind of wonky and maybe you put the wrong, you know, ones on the wrong branches. And I just thought, I just think my parents always thought it was too much of a hassle that to like go get the real tree. And it was see, like me going to get the real tree seems like a fun activity. And to me yeah. trying to put together the fake tree seems like a hassle. Well, but then again, I guess if now that I think about it, you know, my mom also doesn't like cut flowers. 
That's probably related. I mean, there are, there are. So I'm sure that's like tree. partially like oh, yeah. why she doesn't. She has you know because it's nice at first and then it gets weird and then you have to throw it away. And that's but, definitely true. I mean, like the, the live tree oh does my, have like an issue with does have an oh issue my. with needles dropping. You know, so if you're if you have a problem with vegetation kind of misting itself into your house, you know that's I can see how that's not. Yeah. Right. And I know some people are actually allergic to sure. trees, and there's yeah. and so that's a big reason to not have a live tree if you have like an allergy. Yeah, and if that's not something you're prepared for, you probably shouldn't have a live tree. You know, because that is part of it. You have to water it. It's going to get you know weird if you don't tend to it. There's going to be needles that come off, I and mean, we already have needles on the ground. I'm seeing. So. Sure, sure. I mean, got got a vacuum every day with this guy, but yeah. um, but. I do think that people think of the artificial tree as kind of an investment, too, because maybe you pay more initially, but then, I mean, like you were saying with your family, you know, you reuse the same tree for a long time, so, I mean, eventually... You definitely paid less for that tree than you would have if you were buying a lime yeah. tree every year. I mean, it's an initial investment, but that you, but it kind of pays off. I think the more longer you use it for more, however many more years or whatever. So. Whereas with a live tree, we have to kind of every year, you know, work how we're going to pay for the tree into our budget. You know, yeah. instead of just kind of having it to bring out of storage. Yeah. Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Do you think anyone's ever tried to like put the live tree in storage and no. bring it back out? I mean. There's definitely, like, you know, you can hang on your live tree for an yeah. embarrassingly long time. And right. You kind of have to do the walk of shame when you're finally oh, yeah. dragging there's, it there's, through there's, there's been a few years where it's been uh, touching up against February where I was like, sure. I think we even had a, an angry letter from the apartment complex one year because there was, like, a trail of needles <laughs> leading from our apartment to the dumpster and they knew it was us. You know, there was no, there was no there's denying. no denying where this where the needles kind of came from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, There are other live tree options that I guess you could, in a way, maybe do this plan you're talking about. There is a thing where you can dig up a live tree. Hmm. You could dig up a live tree and replant it, and then I guess in theory you could re, you know, the next year dig that same live tree up and bring it into your house. Um, My family tried that though, and it didn't work that well because we we bought a tree specifically to do this with, Mm -hmm. and then. The tree just didn't do so well, so it kind of, like, died between one Christmas and the other. And, and I mean, these are, like, my... How much of the root system would you need for something like that? This was, it wasn't, like, a giant tree. This was a pretty modest, this was a pretty modest-sized evergreen tree. Mm-hmm. But, and, but, I mean, and my parents are people that have trees, like, fruit trees and other things. So it's not like we're people that don't know how to keep a tree alive. But for whatever reason... For whatever reason, this tree didn't make it, and we didn't really try that again. And then when we got it, it was very exciting and optimistic, and then it was kind of like, oh, that didn't really work out. But theoretically, if you could keep that going, you could reuse mm-hmm. your same live tree every year. Yeah, for um, sure. To me, though, it's not a hassle. It's like a fun experience to go and get the tree. Well, no, and like uh, my, uh, my uncle's family would always go and cut down their own tree, and that was a part of the experience that they had. It was like getting the tree was part of their Christmas traditions mm-hmm. in a way where, you know, of course, like my family putting together the tree was something, but it was already there. It wasn't like we went out and got, it was like just hollowed into the garage. Live tree is kind of more of like a hunting. Like, yeah, it's kind of like you bring back the kill. Yeah, you go like, out into like the cold, um, going out into the cold, wintry air, you know, you're looking for the right tree, uh-huh. you know. I think, unfortunately, Indiana isn't the best place for cutting your own tree. Christmas music is always a big part of, of the season. Uh, 
I know there's some songs that we, we like more than others. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I personally think the best Christmas album is the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack from the Vince Gilardi trio. That's a good one. Um, it's a classic. But I know that you think it's a little depressing, which... Uh, well, sometimes it is. I mean, I, is. there are certain songs on there that I love, mm-hmm. but overall, I sometimes want something with like a little bit more of an upbeat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've always been partial to that Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can't really hear that song without... I think it's Brenda Lee, maybe? Mm-hmm. I can't hear that song without thinking of the scene in Home Alone where that song plays when he's kind of orchestrating the fake Christmas party so the robbers will think that his parents are home. Mm-hmm. And they play that song while you know he has like fake mannequins and like a cutout of Michael, uh, Jordan. Michael Jordan dancing and everything. I can't... I can't hear that song without thinking of that scene, but I do love that song so mm-hmm. much. I mean, because of, but also, you know, independently of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, as a small child, my very favorite Christmas song was Little Drummer Boy. Mm. I'm not entirely clear on why I latched onto that, but I just... Any Christmas music. <laughs> um, okay, my phone is now trying to... Trying to find some Christmas music for me, and I need to tell it to, like, calm wow. down. Easy, Siri. Right? Um... But for some reason, that was my favorite song as a little kid. And it's funny. I always think it's funny now. And not that I dislike that song now. I've just kind of moved on from it. I don't have the same sort of fiery you know, love for it. Mm-hmm. But I always think it's funny because in The Office, which is, you know, that's one of our big things is we like to watch um, the American Office together. And in that, the Angela character, who's kind of the uptight woman in The Office, Lo- that's her favorite song. I think that's her favorite. I don't even know if that's her favorite Christmas song. I think that's just her favorite song. Period. And yeah. it's featured in several episodes as, you know, the song, her favorite song. And I always think that's funny because we always kind of jokingly say that in my, like, most negative ways, like, because I can sometimes be kind of uptight or whatever, so we kind of jokingly say <laughs> that I like, like Angela in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, so I think it's funny. That was at one point, you know, my favorite Christmas song, and that's like a big part of her character now. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, a song that I've found more and more disturbing the older I get is that I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus song. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of questions for that song. Well, I mean... I think you can assume, you know, as an adult, that maybe Daddy is in the Santa suit. Maybe. And I mean, I hope. I mean, I think we I hope. Think we can the, hope. I think the most innocent assumption we can make is that the dad has dressed in the Santa suit, and then the mom and the dad are having kind of a playful, sexy Santa type of moment, and the kid, you know, you know, come down, comes down the stairs, and you know, sees it and is horrified. But I think that from the perspective of the child in the song, and also my perspective as a young child when I was first hearing this song, you really just think that the child has come upon his mom having, like, a, you know, an indiscretion. She's, like, basically cheating on the dad by, like... With, a, myth- with a mythical creature. With, I mean, not only Santa, just, like, another that. person. <laughs> and that's disturbing on so many levels because, I mean, it would be disturbing enough as a child... Just to discover that your mom is, like, having this moment with, you know, not your dad. Right. But also, on top of that, not only is it this mythical creature, but also it's someone that you thought was kind of there for you. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you kind of thought that Santa was coming to your house to bring you presents. 
But now Santa is like kissing your mom. Like it's it's such a disturbing concept, and yet the song is so lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, another song that kind of in that similar vein of of it has a very creepy tone. If you if you think about it, is uh, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." But I will say very rapey, very rapey. But I will say that the nice twist that I think has kind of salvaged that song for me a little bit is the fact that she and him, the Zooey Deschanel M Ward, I think is the other guy in that man's name. Anyway, they did a gender-reversed version of it where instead of the guy being the one trying to coax the woman into staying a little longer and, you know, not going outside and trying to play up how cold it is so that she stays with him, it's the guy trying to get away and the girl being which, the one, which which I that kind of flips so it on its head creepy. a little bit. Yeah, it definitely. It's so creepy because, I mean, while I, of course, want to acknowledge, like, Men, men can, can be, be sexually assaulted. Of course. But I feel like... But in what general... Makes, <laughs> what makes the... What makes the version where the man is telling the woman not to go outside so creepy is that I feel like it seems like a very typical kind of sexual assault situation where it's not like he's just overtly like, you know, I am assaulting you. It's more of what actually happens to a lot of people Mm -hmm. where... You as the woman are at a disadvantage just physically. You're yeah. physically you're at a disadvantage because the man's probably stronger than you. But then also you're conditioned socially to be polite. So if somebody says, oh, no, stay, don't go, even if you really want to go, you are afraid of hurting their feelings or offending them. That is what mm-hmm. happens to a lot of people in mm-hmm. sexual assault type of situations. Mm-hmm. It's like the woman's uncomfortable, but she doesn't want to, like, hurt the guy's feelings, so she's trying to just kind of be like, oh, no, I really have to go nicely, and he's like, I insist that you stay, and she doesn't Mm -hmm. really know what to do, and that song really kind of does just sound that way, and you think about it that way, it makes Mm -hmm. the whole song really dark, but it does seem, I think, more playful. When the woman is doing it, you Mm -hmm. kind of more imagine that she's trying to, like, I think maybe more innocently and maybe more in the way that the song is supposed to be that she's just sort of trying to coax him to stay and you know but he still has the agency like he could still leave Mm -hmm. whereas i feel like in the version where the woman is trying to say you know i have to be going i really am afraid for what's going to happen to her and i feel really bad about where it's going yeah well it kind of reminds me of this american life they had recently where um this woman uh went around uh town kind of wearing like some revealing outfit on like a Friday night and she like walked downtown and like she waited for people to catcall her. And instead of just walking the other way, she went and interviewed each of the ones that cat called her. And she's like, why do you do this? Why do you, do you think this is, do you think we like this? And they're like, yeah, you like it. Yeah. Yeah. People smile and stuff when I say this. And she's like, do you not realize that like, in our society, that's what women are conditioned to do is to not protest exactly. and hope. You're just, supposed to smile because if you if you have a negative reaction, then you, then you might suddenly, be attacked. We're going to physically attack you. Yeah. But you hope that maybe if you smile right. and just kind of quickly leave, that yeah. you can get out of there without a confrontation. Mm-hmm. So it's like the cues that the guys are getting back aren't saying to them, and maybe they want to see what they want to see in that, but 
they not saying that the woman is actually uncomfortable with what's happening. It's that they like it or whatever. And it's like, well, if someone cat called me, I'd be like, Hey, you know, but it's like, you're not like, like men don't go around thinking I could be raped yes, right now. The person now. who's cat calling you probably doesn't have the power yeah. to actually physically hurt you. Yeah, exactly. And there was this one ridiculous uh, guy who was like, yeah, if I see a woman, group of women, I'll slap one of them on the butt. And it's like, but I would never do that to a single woman because then it's not playful. It's like, well, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this, but it's like, you know, they, they giggle or whatever, but it's like, maybe they're just hoping to get out of the situation yeah, they're in one because piece. They're hoping that like you won't grow angry and hurt them. And that you yeah. know, while you still think that things are going well, they can like slip away from you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely, but anyway, that's a that's a different but, but tangent. Yeah, some, but yeah, some Christmas songs, you know, some Christmas songs have a little little bit of a creepy vibe, but but not on like a creepy vibe note, but on just you know an interesting thing about a Christmas song. We were talking recently about that "Mary Did You Know" song, mm-hmm. which I've also seen that as kind of a viral blog post type of thing. Which I mean, for people that aren't familiar with it, it's like basically like talking, addressing, you know. Mary, mother of Jesus, and saying, like, did you know that, you know, your son was going to be Jesus, and did mm-hmm. you know all these, you know, things about him, or were you just this, you know, scared alone mother? I think trying to kind of make you think that any, you know, scared alone mother, you know, secretly could be, you know, destined for great things or whatever. Um, but I saw a really funny meme recently that, um, it was actually posted by, um, like, a cousin of mine who's very, very religious, She's very, very Catholic, so very into the, you know, Mother of Mary kind of thing. But I thought this was just hilarious. Um, it just shows a picture of, you know, Mother Mary with the baby Jesus. And on the top, it starts out, you know, Mary, did you know? But then on the bottom, she's like, yes, yes, the angel told me. Which is like, yeah, this is the perfect case where, and I just thought that was funny. It's the perfect case where, yes, if you actually are familiar with that story, and... And if this is a song that you gravitated towards, I think you would be familiar with that story. You'd be aware that, you know, the angel did come and tell Mary what was happening. It wasn't like she didn't know and just thought she was randomly, (laughs) mysteriously pregnant. She knew she was pregnant with, like, a special child, you know. Yeah, the the song is totally unnecessary. Because, like you said, it's like, Mary's already aware of these things. Who are you actually speaking to in this song? Yeah, we don't need a song about this. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and there's plenty of fine, you know, Jesus is Lord, you know, religious Christmas songs that I don't have a problem with. It's just this particular... Oh, yeah, Away in a Manger. Yeah, absolutely. There's classics on classics. But, you know, this one is like... Heard the Herald Angels Sing. Yeah. Uh, a song, in fact, about the angels singing about the... <laughs> Delivering know, the exact on. message that you don't, you don't need to repeat. <laughs> we already heard it. Thank you. <laughs> what was the angel's name? Was it Gabriel, possibly, or... I want to say Moroni, but that's, that's, that's not, something else. That's not correct. I'm, I'm actually struggling right now to remember what, which angel mm-hmm. came to Mary. But anyway. Anyway, the, the, the message was delivered. Mary knows she's pregnant. you know. And what is she supposed to do with this information? She still she's in- managed to convince, Jesus, uh, to convince Joseph to you know support her yeah. situation. Like, so she obviously, not only is she kind of aware that there's something going on, but she's been able to communicate it. Yeah. To her partner in a way so that he hasn't just decided to abandon her when yeah, she's like, like pregnant. It's like, thanks, I'm already on it. I got it. You know what I mean? Like, what, do you, what, do you, what do you want me to do differently now that I know this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to still keep this kid alive as best I can yeah. in this yeah. manger, in this barn yeah, that I'm, I'm at. I found the barn. Okay, what do you want? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
These three kings have come and they're delivering precious metals and incense, and I don't know what they, what they thought a baby was going to do with that, but okay. And there's a large star who appears in the sky. Large star in the sky. I've also heard that that was supposed to be a comet too. There was like maybe that was a. I don't know. Of whatever. course, I think sometimes a whole people try to read comet might then be people that are also thinking about Jesus being an alien, and that's going down a whole other. Yeah, we don't even need to go down that path. <laughs> There's a lot but, uh, of speculation. Yeah, there's yeah, exactly. And of course, we know that that story only appears in one of the um, gospels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good point. We only have yeah. Luke's account of Jesus' birth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I. Uh, there's definitely a lot of Christmas songs I like. I think Christmas Island is one of my favorite ones because oh, it's a nice tropical vibe. My ultimate fantasy is one day to experience Christmas on. in a tropical location while listening to that song. Of course. I mean, yes, I do want to, you know, hang my stockings off of a great big coconut tree or whatever. Oh, which sure. Reminds me that, going back to what we were saying about artificial trees, one artificial tree I love is the one that your mom has, which is, instead of being the typical um, pine tree, she has a, like, a palm tree type of situation. That is pretty funny, mm. yeah. Well, I love it because, I mean, it's more correct as far as what kind of tree you'd actually have, you know. Yeah. At the birth of Jesus, and maybe more of a palm tree type of situation. But also just, I mean, who doesn't love a good palm tree? Yeah, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah, Christmas songs, I mean, there's a lot of great Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other really important ones that we haven't mentioned. I don't know. There's just so many. It's it's hard to keep track. Of course, the Bob Dylan Christmas album is, is a classic if for all times. Very special times. I thought for a while that I liked the OC Christmaka album, and then I realized that I hate, like, 95% of the songs that are on there, so. Yeah. I don't know. I'm over that. Mm-hmm. I still like the OC um, Christmas episodes. Though. Yeah. And Christmaka has, has long outlived that show as a concept. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of families that are, like, actually celebrating Christmaka right now. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Not that they weren't kind of already doing it, but now they have, like, a name for it. It's yeah. It's been legitimized, I think. Oh, yeah. Show. It's been brought into the mainstream, for sure. I always thought the dogs barking jingle bells was hilarious, and I I can never get enough of that. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Hard hard to say no to that one. That's the Christmas song you learn how to sing when you're a little kid. You know, it's it's hard to remember all the words to some of the other songs, but Jingle Bells is one of those songs that, like, as a little kid, you can really get on board with. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about, like, family Christmas traditions. Like, was there anything, like... That you think your family did that was like unusual, or maybe not even unusual, but mm. that just felt really, you know, special to you. Mm. That you either do or do not want to pass on. <laughs> and we already kind of talked about Santa and the different ways we're going to raise our son with that. Sure. But um, no, I mean, I felt like you know, Christmas, as for most families, was definitely the kind of jewel of the of the crown of the of the of the year holiday wise i mean it's kind of kind of hard to assert you know i was always the person that liked thanksgiving a little bit more uh you know just personally but that was just personal preference but i think as far as like the amount of effort and time and and kind of focus that was put on a holiday i think christmas definitely was number one and i was fine with that you know i was i was never anti-christmas i was always a little bit like you know we can we don't have to start it you know this year like People started it before Halloween, I feel like. And you know, I, that I was, have, like, too much, you know? I have a problem with that, not because I'm not excited to start Christmas, but because, like, to me, sometimes things that are really fun, there's a certain sense of, you know, there's the delayed gratification and the anticipation that adds to the fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like how, um, 
opening the presents on Christmas morning. When you're a kid and that's what your family does, there's so much anticipation, you know, you're like, I, I can remember like tossing and turning, like barely being able to sleep all night and getting up, you know, insanely early in the morning, racing, you know, out to see the tree and the presents and everything. It's so exciting. And it's that anticipation that makes not just the moment when you're getting the presents, but mm-hmm. like that whole, you know, lead up to it makes it such a special time. And mm-hmm. I feel that way about a lot of Christmas things in general. Like part of why I love Christmas songs is that I don't listen to them, you know, all year long. I really only start, yeah. you know, after Thanksgiving. I'm always curious about those Christmas all year stores. You know, yeah. I always want to visit one of those in like early June or something and be like, how's it going? Like how's, how's sales this month? You know, like I think you'd get tired. Ugh, those I'd be stores. so sick like, of Christmas after that. I mean, I think it would lose some of its gleam. Oh, I know. You know the decorations seem so special because it's like, exciting that we get to pull these out and if you have your if you own decorations that you're like looking forward to bringing out again for your mm-hmm. home and it's always fun to see you know the decorations going up around town at other people's houses and everything yeah for sure but yeah we don't need to start when we're like overlapping into another holiday mm-hmm. yeah well each holiday breathe a little bit there's no reason to like rush it although i think this year was like hard for a lot of people in a lot of ways so i feel like I think people wanted to really lean into the holidays which I, I understand i mean i'm definitely i feel like i'm really trying to like enjoy the oh. holidays a lot this year yeah, i'm but trying, to, trying to soak it up for sure but i still want to give each one their own space like you know we now that thanksgiving has concluded i'm really focused on christmas but yeah but this is like december 15th is an appropriate day to be very focused on christmas you know like 10 days before the big day you know it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I guess the tradition that I want to get started with, and we kind of did a little bit this year, but didn't get up, get off the ground quite as well as we would have liked to, is an advent calendar. Oh yeah. I think you know, as as Harper gets older, oh, I'm excited to um, do kind of that. Which we did a little bit this year. We have one where there's pictures. You know, look at a picture each year, and of course he wants to. You can look at a picture each day, and he wants to look at all the pictures. He just wants to open them all. It's really hard to try to get him to be like, no, we can only open one flap because normally he has lived the flap books. He has lived the flap books, and obviously when we're reading those, you look at all the flaps. So I think it's hard to be like, no, we can only look at one tiny picture each day. Yeah. Um, but what I'd really like to do, you know, as he's a little bit older, is um. The advent calendar where I can put something in there, and I'm thinking not so much um, toys or like I know some people do chocolate, but I want to do whatever fun Christmas activity we're doing for the day. I want to put that in there. So it's like if today we're going to go get our tree, you know, in the morning we open it up and it's like today we're going to get our tree, you know, or today we're going to go see the Nutcracker or whatever, you know, else we have in there. And this year I've kind of done that with the advent calendar just. Every time I tell, every time we open up a flap, I didn't tell him, like, I mean, some days I haven't really had an activity planned, but I have some stickers, so I kind of feel doing with stickers on those days. But I have had a few gifts that I've given him, like, we have, like, a Santa straw cup, and mm-hmm. um, I think there was something else, I can't recall what it was now. We have a few other things planned for going forward, which... Which is what I decided to do with some things that I got, which I thought about doing something which I've seen become really popular in recent years that I hadn't, I didn't know about this when I was a kid and I'm wondering if it's more become a thing now. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas Eve box. Mm. 
Which is a gift that you give your kids. Either you give it to your kids or, like, Santa drops it off at your house or whatever, mm. or the elves or something. Two trips. Um, yeah. But anyway, it has, like, a new pair of pajamas <coughs> and maybe, like, a new Christmas movie and some mm-hmm. popcorn and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought about doing that. But I feel like the disadvantage to that is that then you only have those, and they're usually really Christmassy things. You only have them for Christmas Eve and then kind of afterwards. Whereas I want him to be able to enjoy the Christmas items all year long. So I got the things that I would have put in that, but I've just been giving them to him kind of throughout the month, like the Santa cup and like we have some Christmas pajamas coming up. And, mm-hmm. You know, we'll probably try to find some more Christmas movies. Was well, there anything else you wanted to talk about Christmas-wise? I know we're going to shut this off five minutes later. We're going to think of something. I mean, but... surely there is. I know you've got to have something else to ask me about. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we covered so much. We haven't, yet. I feel like we have like huge holes. Yeah. We didn't talk about Christmas foods. Oh, I'm sorry. Christmas foods, yes. So I feel like we talked about foods for Halloween and Thanksgiving. Well, I guess, how does Christmas food differ from Thanksgiving food? Because I feel like there's a lot of overlap. There is a lot of overlap, but I will say that I think that varies a little bit from family to family. Like, I wasn't really aware that the Christmas food was quite as much of a thing when I was a kid. What was the Christmas? I mean, I know your mom was vegetarian, so, well, like, um, or vegetarian-ish. We just, we just didn't do a big Christmas meal that I recall. Hmm, really? Yeah, I don't really even remember. Even like in anyone else's house, like. No? Well, we never went to anybody's house for Christmas, really. Um, you did for Thanksgiving, I assume. I mean, we sometimes, usually, we did most of our holidays just at home. But you still did something for Thanksgiving. Yes, I'm saying we did something, but I'm saying we had a big thing. For Thanksgiving, we had a big meal. And for Christmas... Do you have also a big meal, or...? No, I just, I don't recall doing anything special for Christmas dinner. Like, most of, you know, at home as a kid. I, I was vaguely aware from, like, watching movies and stuff that mm-hmm. some families did that. Yeah. But I didn't really think about it very much. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, I guess as I got older and then I guess after I was with you and, like, you know, started going, like, your family's, you know, Christmas things, I realized that it's more normal to have, you know, a comparable to Thanksgiving type of feast at Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just it wasn't really part of my thing before. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of that's, like, a financial issue. Sure. I mean, I think for my family, you know... Thanksgiving, like, all you're doing is the food. Mm-hmm. But then Christmas, it's like, you know, you have to come up with money for, like, the presents and mm-hmm. the meal. So mm-hmm. if you want presents for your kids, maybe you don't have enough money to also do a big meal. Yeah. I'm sure that was part of it. I'm I mean, sure I'm sure that's part of why also, oh, I remember what I was going to tell you about with the tr- when we were talking about the trees. Um, there were several years when my mom actually made our Christmas tree. Made... Okay, well, and see, and this is a, this is a case of having perspective as you grow older. Because as a kid, when my mom was like, "This year, I'm going to make the tree from just branches that I harvest from the woods," which she basically just we lived, you know, in the woods, and there were a lot of you know pine trees and stuff around, and she would just you know harvest some branches and kind of lash them together to sort of make a Christmas tree. And she really phrased it when she was doing this as just. She wanted to do this maybe because, you know, for the earth, because then we didn't have to clip down a tree, just, you know, using some branches. It's a very, you know, eco-friendly, kind of the best of both worlds. Not only are you having a live tree, but you also, like, aren't even harvesting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, as, you know, she kind of framed it in that framework and just something she wanted to do. And so I kind of thought of it as just, oh, my mom being weird. Of course, looking back, I realized that 
those were probably years when we just couldn't afford a tree. But she didn't want to say, you know, she didn't want to tell us, oh, we can't afford a Christmas tree this year. So she kind of framed it as, like, I want to make the tree. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, we still enjoyed it. She still, you know, we still decorated with ornaments and everything. It was fine. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, so going back to what I was saying about the foods, I also now, my kind of suspect that, you know, we probably didn't do the big Christmas meal because we probably couldn't afford to do that and have my parents get us gifts. And they always... Mm -hmm. For us, you know, even maybe if not compared to other people, Christmas was always, like, a really big deal for us, like, present-wise. Mm-hmm. And we weren't kids that got a lot of stuff just randomly throughout the year. And Christmas was always kind of a big moment in our year. Yeah. And I think, you know, even when even when they didn't have, like, a lot of money to buy Christmas presents, I feel like... I mean, I can remember some years when I was little where we got a lot of random little presents from, like, my parents' friends... And that's another thing where at the time I didn't really think about it, but going back, I realized that, you know, thinking our budget was stretched pretty thin and that, you know, and these were not like they had these rich friends. These were also friends of, you know, limited resources, but just, you know, a lot of small little things, mm-hmm. you know, but to us that still felt like a huge, you know, cornucopia of items, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, I mean, going back to what we were saying about foods, I guess, um... I think some people do a ham traditionally for Christmas, which I always, that's, you know, nice. Christmas ham. The pineapple and the sure. cherries and the kind of, I like that sort of picture. Mm-hmm. Some people do a turkey again, which I mean, everybody likes turkey, but at the same time, I feel like, does it become redundant if you're having the same meal for Thanksgiving as you have for Christmas? It can, it can. I mean, there's other fowl that people do, like duck and uh, geek goose. Christmas goose, I feel like we've that's done a thing. the goose a couple of years, yeah. and that was I think goose is actually really delicious. There's also that other thing that starts with C. Are you talking about the capon? Yeah. Okay, I finally I figured out what a capon is. What is it? A capon. I mean, I didn't figure it out. I just like looked. <laughs> <laughs> I did extensive research, <laughs> yes. toiling um, for hours. I think if I'm remembering this correctly, it's a rooster that has been neutered. Hmm. I'm assuming that neutering it maybe allows it to fatten up more or something before they butcher it. Mm. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, I've never actually had one, so I don't know how it compares to, like, regular chicken. But, yeah, actually, the goose is really good. The only thing holding me back from having goose every year is just that it's hard to kind of find. Like, I feel like there's only maybe one brand of goose that I ever see available. And like, yeah, and they know it. And it's worth it, I think, because it's yeah. really good. I mean, if you like duck, oh, no, it's, even, it's delicious. even better than duck. Yeah. Way better than turkey. Oh, yeah. Probably the best bird you could be eating. Oh, yeah. No, if, if zombie apocalypse comes, I'm, I'm hunting the geese. Like The Canada geese around here better, better watch out. They're, they're, they're endangered as far as I'm concerned. But I think we could do, uh, what do you want to do this year, you think? I don't know. I mean... The ham could be good. I the like ham the could ham. be good, but I mean, since I'm pregnant, I've been trying to stay yeah. away from like salty. super salty foods. And also, I think there's a lot of like nitrates and things like that yeah, in there. you're probably right. I think a goose would actually be healthier. But then again... Sometimes maybe I, if it's just going to be us, I don't know if I want to do like a big cooking thing because like I want to be able to relax too. Um, so you know, like I think some years we've just done like lasagna or something, which I liked. I like lasagna. Um, I know some families always do Chinese food. Mm. I don't. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying I know that's a tradition. It's, that it's smiling at me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I think, you know, like a lasagna or something, Ooh. like, that could be good. And then we can, for dessert, we could do, like, Yum. I was thinking a tiramisu. Mm. Um, nice. Or, like, chocolate cheesecake. Yeah. 
I'm getting really hungry. Thinking yeah, about we should probably food. think about eating soon. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else about Christmas that we haven't talked about? I mean, I feel like we've... Oh, there must be, and yet we've talked a lot. Um. Yeah. Hey, Captain, come here. Harper! Come here. Do you want to be on Daddy's podcast? Do you want to be on Daddy's podcast? Well, come here then. You gotta come and tell everybody Merry Christmas. Yes, you do. You gotta come really close. Come, come, come right close so everyone can hear you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Say it right now. Say, say it. Say it. Say it. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Very good.